Welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We are so happy you took the time to listen to this message. We're in the midst of our series, Thirsty. We believe that this is going to encourage and inspire you. Enjoy. We're in John chapter 2. The context you need to know for this chapter, for this verse, is that this is the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry. And that's really all you need to know as we go through the morning. You'll find out more. But John chapter 2 says this. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. I love the fact that there's a wedding. A wedding in Jewish culture was a party, and Jesus was there. I love that thought. It says, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. To run out of wine would have been seen as a a huge uh, disgrace, a great humiliation. And so Jesus' mom says, there's no more wine. Jesus, verse 4, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. Next time, guys, your mother tells you to do something. Your mom says, could you please empty the dishwasher? You say, woman, my time has not yet come. But you guys aren't Jesus, you probably can't get away with it. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. I love this thought. Jesus says, my time has not yet come, but Mary doesn't really even acknowledge what Jesus says because although Jesus said, not right now, Jesus never said, not ever. And so the faith of Mary, she says, do whatever he says because expectation always precedes miracles. Expectation always precedes revelation. She says, do whatever he says. He didn't say not forever. He just said not right now. Verse 6, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some and take it out to the master of the banquet. Take some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where to come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and these cheaper wines after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. How many guys know Jesus always saves the best? What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. I wanna share with you guys the title of my message this morning. It's a title, it's a sentence, but it's something that I think God's gonna put into our spirit. It's super simple, it's this. You have more than you think. You have more than you think. Can you touch your neighbor? Just touch him on the shoulder, if that's comfortable, and say, you have more than you think. You have more than you think. One thing I've realized in life is one of the great joys of life is when you realize that you have more of something than you originally thought. This is one of the great joys in life. And I'm sure this, this next thing we can all relate to is if any of you guys in this room, you've ever woken up uh, in the morning and like you've turned over, you've opened your eyes and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to wake up. Like I'm just so tired. But then you flip over, maybe it's your phone, maybe it's your alarm clock and you realize it's the middle of the night. Anyone had that before? And it's like the best feeling ever because you're like, I have more time than I thought. I don't have to wake up. It's like, it's one of the simple joys in life. For me, last Sunday, 
Uh, I don't set an alarm on Sunday because we go hard on Saturday, so we try to take Sunday and just chill. But last Sunday, for whatever reason, my alarm went off at 7 a.m. And I was in a deep sleep. And because I don't have an alarm set, usually my brain didn't know where I was. I was in a complete panic. <laughs> and so I woke up, and I just assumed that it was Saturday morning. And I was like, oh, man, like, got to wake up. I got to go through my message one more time. And I was just super disappointed because I was so tired. But then it took me about 10 seconds, and all of a sudden, like, you just kind of have this spatial awareness. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's Sunday. I was like, I don't have to wake up. And it was just the best feeling ever because what I've realized is when you realize that you have more, than some, more of something than you thought, there's no better feeling than that. You have more than you think. We're in the third part of our series, Thirsty. Anyone been with us for this series at all? What we've been doing in this series is we've been examining this thirst that we said every single one of us has. Every single one of us has a thirst. And how we've identified that thirst, we said that thirst and that longing is Jesus. Every single one of us have a thirst where we're wanting something, we're longing for something. What we've said in this series is that the answer to our thirst is Jesus. Come on, somebody. One of the things that I want to do this morning is I want to examine one of the reasons that I think a lot of us become thirsty or one of the reasons that a lot of us will go thirsty. And it's simply this idea and this belief that I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I think one of the reasons that many of us will eventually and inevitably become thirsty is because we believe we don't have enough. Some of you guys, it's like this. I don't have enough money. Anyone like that? It's like, if I just had a little more money in my bank account, if I just had a little bit more of a financial security, then my life would be overflowing with joy. If my net worth was just a little bit higher. But you guys have heard me say this before. If your net worth is higher than your self-worth, you're still going to be thirsty. Come on. Some of us, it's like, man, if I just had a little bit more talent in my life, If I just had a little bit more charisma, then I could just take off. My life would take off. If my relationships were better, if I had a wife, if I had a husband, if I had something, if I just had a little bit more, if I just had a little bit more. The title of our message is You Have More Than You Think. And so what I want us to do this morning is I want us to examine what that actually means in our life. Because I have a belief that if Jesus is in your life, you have more than you think. You have more than you think. We're in John chapter 2. It's the verse that we just read. And what has happened is that Jesus and his disciples, they're they're at a wedding. And now in Jewish culture, a wedding was like the pinnacle of pinnacles. It was it was a party, it was a celebration. And what has happened at this wedding is that the wine has ran out. Now, what you need to understand about wine in this culture, in this context, wine was very symbolic. Number one, it was a symbol for God's blessing. When the wine was flowing, God was blessing. And so when the wine ran low, there was almost this this subconscious idea that God's blessing was no longer there. But even more than that, the Jewish culture is a culture of honor. And so for the bride and the groom to run out of wine at their own wedding was a sign of disrespect to the guests that they have invited. Everyone following? And so when the wine has run out, this is now a problem. And the Bible says that Mary comes to Jesus. And and scholars believe that the only reason that Mary's even worried about the wine is because most likely this was someone that was part of her family. This was a family member. This was a close friend. And so their shame was her shame. That's how family is. When your kids are acting up, you're not embarrassed for them. You guys are all embarrassed. It's like, please, please calm down. 
And so Mary comes to Jesus. She says, the wine is out. And Jesus, his response, we saw it. He said, woman, my time has not yet come. Again, just because it has not yet come, it doesn't mean it's not coming. I need to speak to someone right now because you've been waiting for Jesus to act in your life. And maybe it's not the fact that he's not going to act. It's just that he has not acted yet. My time has not yet come. But I love the faith of Mary. I love the faith of Mary because what Mary says, she just, she goes, and, and the verse, in verse 5, it says, His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. It's so funny because Jesus is essentially saying, I'm not going to do anything, but Mary knows the heart of Jesus. It's not, it's not a never, it's not a no forever, it's just a not right now. And so Mary is setting herself up. She's posturing herself. If you're with us in part two, we talked about posture. And she has this expectation, she has this belief that Jesus is going to act. She says, do whatever he says. Whatever it is, just, just do it, just do it. Friends, in our lives, if we begin to live with expectation with anticipation that in every circumstance, in every season, God is going to act in our favor, man, things will change. Chains will break. Doors will, op doors will open. It's our posture. She says, do whatever he says. Do whatever he tells you. When the first door closes in our lives, friends, wait for the second to open. Because it's going to open. There is no wine at this party. That would have been great shame, and, and maybe even more so, people will be thirsty. Someone shout thirsty. thirsty. But Jesus. The wine ran out, but Jesus. But Jesus. Can you guys say, but Jesus? But Jesus. But Jesus. I, want to write a, I want to write a book one day called, But God or But Jesus. Because there's so many ways that things go, it's a way, a direction. Our lives can go in a way, but God intervenes. But Jesus. I was going one way, but Jesus. The wine was out, but Jesus. Verse 6. It appears as time has come. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. Now, I put myself in the shoes of the servant in this story, and I, I had to believe that when Jesus made this request, there would be some confusion. Because his words started to circulate, like the wine is kind of running low. People are starting to whisper, like, what kind of a party is this? You guys ever been there? Like, what is this? That's the best they had? There's whispers, the wine is running low, and Jesus now says to these servants, fill up these large jars used for ceremonial washing. And so literally, these jars were filled with water, and the people would wash their hands with them. Wash utensils, ceremonial, it was just all about uh, their culture, these, these washing jars. And so Jesus says, fill them up. And, and if the fact that these are washing jars didn't kind of gross people out, I'm a little OCD, ain't, you're not going to catch me drinking from no washing jar. <laughs> if that wasn't enough, the party did not have a water problem, had a wine problem. They weren't low on water, they were low on wine. And so as Jesus tells these servants to fill up these jars, I cannot help but believe there must have been some level, some point of confusion. Like, what does Jesus want us to do? What is he asking us to do? But what I want to see, and it's kind of our first point, you see we're on this journey, and I want us to see this morning that you have more than you think. Because I know there are people in this room, and you're kind of in this situation where you feel like you're lacking something. Maybe it's joy. Maybe it's joy. I don't have, I don't have it. We don't have any wine. But here's the first thing that Jesus does. 
The wine is out, but Jesus is not worried about the wine. What he does is he tells them to go and get what they actually have. And what they had was water. What they had were these jars. So here's the first thing I want us to understand. The first way that we can begin to recognize that we have more than we think. God will always get us and he will always start with what we have. Jesus will always start with what we have. You see, so many of us were hoping that God is going to bring something into our lives. He's going, to, he's going to just transpose something to help us out of our situations. But I think that when I read scriptures, the way that God works more often than not is he starts with what we have. He starts with what we have. You see, the problem for so many of us is our focus. In our lives, we begin to focus on what we don't have, what we wish we had, what our relationships we wish that they looked like. And what happens when we focus on what we don't have, we will begin to neglect that which we actually have. And when we do that, when our focus is on that which we don't have, what will happen is we will become thirsty. We'll become thirsty. We don't have wine. There's no wine left. Jesus always starts with what we have. One of the temptations I have, and I can only really use illustrations from, from church life because I'm a pastor, but I know many of you guys can relate to this in your own personal lives, in your own jobs, careers, family. But for myself, I always tend to focus and I seem to, I seem that my, I see myself shifting towards that which I don't have, that which I wish that I had. A lot of times this was church. I hope you guys know this and I say it every week because I believe it to be true. God has a plan. God has a purpose for this place. If you don't believe it, the door is that way. If it's your first time here, we love you and... But we believe that God has a plan, God has a purpose. I believe it in my heart, in my spirit. Hundreds of people are going to experience Jesus through this place. Let me backtrack. Thousands of people are going to experience Jesus through this ministry. I believe it wholeheartedly. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. But sometimes, someone say sometimes. But sometimes instead of focusing on it, I can just get so caught in this picture of, of what I hope things are going to be like that I can begin to neglect what we actually have. And what happens is like we become thirsty. But I'm so happy uh, that I have people in my life that can speak into me. I went for coffee with my good friend Lael this week. Anyone know Lael? Yeah. He's on our team. He serves here, man. He's a man of God, chiseled from stone. <laughs> but I'm so glad we, we went out this week and he was able to speak into me. And we were just talking and, and I was just kind of sharing some things. And he said to me, he's like, you know what? He's like, you know what I love? He's like, I love that every single week at this church, people have made a decision for Jesus. He's like, every single week, someone has raised their hand. He's like, I love that, because that, what that means is God is working now. I, I, I can't wait for what's to come, but God's working right now. He said, he said, you know what else is great? He said, people come back every single week. Thank you guys for that, by the way. I told you my greatest fear coming up here, and no one's here. But he says, people come back every single week because they're getting fed, and then lives are being changed. But what happens is that we can get so focused on what we don't have that we neglect what we actually have. And I wonder if there's someone in this room right now, you've been looking so far at what you wish you had. You've been on Instagram saying, I wish I had a body like that. I wish I had a house like that. I wish I had a job like that. And we've neglected what God has blessed us with here and now. Start with what you have. And it's so funny in that moment, God, and sometimes here's what I want us to, here's a practice that we can do. You see, for so many of us, we look ahead that we miss right now. But I think one of the ways that we can experience and begin to love right now is when we look back at where we used to be. 
And in that moment when I was talking to Lael, I was transposed back to like a year. The Lord took me in the spirit. And I was, just, I was back about like a year and a half ago, and I just remembered when I went for coffee with Lael and his beautiful wife, Alicia, and Annabelle on Keys. Someone, you guys saw Annabelle on Keys? You guys seen Alicia at the Info Center? These guys are amazing people. But the Lord, he brought me back to this moment when we were at a coffee shop. It was just Christy and I and them, and I was just sharing a dream, and there was nothing. There was no building. It was just a hope. It was just a dream. And look where we are now. And so sometimes you got to look back in order to appreciate what you have right now. Listen to this, church. I need someone to see this. In your life right now, if you're not satisfied, God is saying, look back. Remember two years ago? Remember two years ago when you were single? Remember two years ago when you didn't have a job? Listen, friends, I believe there are people in this room that you are sitting, you are standing in your dream, but you're missing it because you're looking somewhere else. You have more than you think. Jesus wasn't worried in this moment about what was lacking, what he was worried about was what they actually had. And here's the beauty of process. And man, Lael, this guy's a prophet. You guys are like, why are you preaching? But he said, he, he, explained, he, started, he, he pointed out, he said, look at this tree over there. He said, you see these trees? Like, there's certain trees. He said, for two or three years, for two or three years, you actually will not see anything. But then all of a sudden, he's like, one day it'll start growing. It'll just start growing. He didn't even expect it. You just kind of forgot about it. But friends, that's what happens for so many of us in process and in progress. There are things in your life that you're sowing into right now, and you're asking yourself, why am I not seeing process? Why am I not seeing progress? But there are certain things in life where you won't see it at first, but you just got to keep watering. You just got to keep doing it. You just got to keep fighting. If you're in a low season right now, you just got to keep fighting. Because one day, someone say one day. One day, one day all of a sudden, it's just going to... It's going to explode exponential growth. You have more than you think. You have more than you think. Start with what you have. Start with what you have. Listen, friends, ask yourself, what do I have? What do I have right now? For some of us, I don't have time. Lord knows I don't have time. But you got money. For some of us, you don't got any money, but you got a lot of time. Got a lot of time. Friends, God will never ask us what we don't have. He's never going to judge us on what is lacking. What he asks us to do, he says, what is in your hand? What do you have? What, I have? what have I given you? Maybe it's a talent. Maybe it's a gift. Lord, I wish I could play guitar like Noah. But God's not going to judge me on that. He's not going to ask me, how come you didn't play guitar? It's about what you have. Every single one of us have something, and that is where God starts. The quickest way, the fastest way to become thirsty is to focus on what we don't have instead of what God has given us. John 2, again, Jesus said, verse 7, he said to the servants, fill the jars with water. Fill the jars with water. What's so interesting in this text and in this story, all of us, I'm sure, were aware, if Jesus wanted to, he could have probably just snapped his fingers and said, y'all go check the water. It's wine. But I love in this story what he does, and, and this is the very first uh, publicly recorded miracle of Jesus. And so what he's doing, it's, it's kind of showing us the process in which Jesus is going to work. And I love that what Jesus does when he's about to do this miracle is he goes and he asks the servants. He gets the servants involved. He says, go and fill the jars with water. 
And in this time, to be a servant, it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It was more like a maid or a handyman. You weren't a slave. But you certainly weren't the highest in the household. You certainly weren't someone of distinguish and honor. But Jesus says, go, servants, and fill the water, <clears throat> fill the jars with water. So here's the thing, friends. Every single one of us has something. How do we unlock that something in which God has given us? It's super silly, super simple. It's not quite silly. We just have to be willing. We just have to be willing. Jesus says to the servants, he says, go and fill the jars with water. All we have to do is be willing. Jesus is giving us the process by which we are to be as servants. And here's the thing. God knows us, God created us, and I believe this, that God knows in order for us to ever reach our full potential as people, we have to be in the game. We have to play. Jesus, if he wanted to, like I said, he could snap his fingers and that water would become wine, but Jesus gets the people into the game. Jesus chooses us. All we have to do is be willing. Listen to this, friends. You're saying to yourself, I'm not sure what I have. It doesn't matter what you have. That little that you have, that little money, that little time, that little talent, if you give it to God, if you are willing to be used, he will do more with it than you could ever imagine. More than you could think, more than you could dream. All you have to do is be willing. You just have to get in the game. You have to get in the game. Jesus was setting the context for how he was going to work. If he wanted to, Jesus could do everything, but he does and he chooses us. And that's a great honor. As a church, one thing we're passionate about, we want to get you guys in the game. We want to help you guys play. And so we say it every week, join our team, Growth Track. Shout out to Growth Track. Because we believe that our, our hope as a church is to get you from the sidelines into the game, from the back row to the front row. That's our hope. That's our hope. But there's another thing that we're doing very soon because we want to help you get into the game. Serve Day. Come on, someone clap your hands for Service Day. Serve St. Albert. This happens in two weeks, what we're doing. We are meeting here. There's not going to be our traditional church service. There's not going to be worship, anything like that. I'm going to speak for a little bit. If you guys volunteer, you're going to get a free lunch. You're going to get a free T-shirt. And then what we are going to do is we're going to go and serve St. Albert. And it's going to be amazing. And lives are going to be changed. We're going to plant seeds, perhaps literally and figuratively. <laughs> but it's going to be awesome. And the reason that we're doing this is because we want to get you guys into the game, number one. We want to give you the opportunity. But more than that, we want to serve this city. We are from St. Albert. We love St. Albert. We are here. And as a church, we want to reach St. Albert because there are so many people. There are thousands of people in this place, around these walls, that have no idea who Jesus is. And so we are here to serve them. And some of you may be, some of you may be thinking to yourselves, well, Harrison, what is picking up trash going to do? What is planting a couple seeds going to do? What's that, what difference does that make? Here's the thing. Jesus calls us to reach cities. How do we reach cities? We do not reach cities through conquering. Some people, like in the past, it's like, man, as a church, we're going to conquer this city. We're going to come here. We're going to preach the gospel. It's going to be a, a double-edged sword. <laughs> but I believe that the method that Jesus calls us to do is not to conquer cities. It's to serve cities. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to serve cities. Why are we picking up trash? Because we emailed the mayor and asked, what can we do? And she said, you guys are going to pick up some trash. <laughs> and so we said, amen, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Listen, I'm preaching. The Spirit's leading me now. Andrea and I, we're, we're in communication. We're trying to plan something else. And the city, they're trying to make us pay to serve them, which kind of doesn't really make sense if you guys think about it, because we're serving them. 
But one of the reasons that we're going to do it up to a point, unless it gets crazy, but one of the reasons we're going to do it up to a point is because if we say, hey, we want to serve you, and they say, this is how you can serve us, we want to actually be servants. And to be a servant sometimes doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense for Jesus, who was high in, in the right hand of God, to come down and serve us. But the Bible tells us the Son of Man did not come to, ser to, to be served, but to serve. And so we're going to follow after his example. And so if we have to pay a couple extra dollars that don't really make sense, that we might not actually have, but if we can rub shoulders with someone from the city, if we can show Jesus' love to someone, we'll do it. Because we're here to serve. We want to be in the game. We, have a time. we want to have a seat at the table. We want the city to know. We want the mayor to know. If there is something our city can do for them, call Kingdom Church. We may be small, but we'll do it. We may not have money, but we'll do it. We may have a small team, but they're going to work hard. We're willing. We're going to get in the game because we have more than we think. We have more than we think. We're here to serve. Jesus gets the servants in the game. He didn't have to, but he did. Look at this. Here's the thing I want to see. Verse 7 again. It says, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And look at this. It says, so they filled the jars to the brim. They filled it to the brim. I want us to see something here. There's something I want us to see in this verse. You see, I think the tendency for so many of us when we're asked to do something, we do the bare minimum. Yeah. Fill up the jars, sure, I'll do half. <laughs> Christy always gets mad at me. I have a water bottle that's up there at our house, and I never fill it full because I don't want to wait that long. <laughs> she's always like, why do you fill that thing so many times? It's because I put this much at a time because I'm too lazy to actually stand there the whole time. You see, as a people, we have a tendency to put in the bare minimum, to, to just do whatever is asked of us to not go above and beyond. But I love what these servants do, and they're about to experience the blessing of God. They're about to experience God's provision. They fill it to the brim. They fill it to the brim. And so get this, in every single task that we do, I want us to begin to fill it to the brim. I want us to give it our all. If we're picking up trash, I'm going to give it my all. If I'm planting this, I'm going to give it my all. If I'm, just, if I'm here, if I'm greeting people, I'm going to give it my all. For our team, man, we love you guys so much. And I hope you guys felt welcome guests when you came in. But that's because of our team. Because we say, give it your all, give it your all, give it your all. And so many things, they feel menial. It's a menial task. It's a small thing. But get this, before miracles always comes menial. If you can't learn to love the little things, don't expect the big things. If you're not willing to sow, don't expect to reap. Before miracles always comes menial. Fill the jar to the brim. Fill it to the brim. Whatever God is asking you to do in your job, in your workplace, fill it to the brim. In your marriage, fill it to the brim. In your family, fill it to the brim. Raise those kids to the brim. Someone shout to the brim. Jesus says, fill it up. Fill it up that your cup may overflow. You see, Jesus was trying to get them to change their perspective. He's speaking to these servants. Say, when you serve, fill it to the brim. When you serve me, give it your all. Get this. Whatever we have, whether it is little or it is a lot, God honors to the brim more than half. He just honors it more than half. Because get this, our little bit full with God is more than a lot, half. Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense. Fill it to the brim. I wonder, I wonder if the people at this party, the bride and the groom, the reason they ran out of wine is because they kind of decided to just do the bare minimum. Maybe if I was the husband, honey, we could probably save some money here. No one's going to notice. 
We're just gonna get half of the wine. We'll spend more on the DJ. <laughs> I know Jesus loves to party. I wonder if the reason the wine ran low was because they only put in the bare minimum. I wonder if the reason we're thirsty in our lives is because we only put in the bare minimum. I've noticed a tendency in my spiritual life to do the bare minimum. Pray for the bare minimum. Read for the bare minimum. Love people the bare minimum. Jesus says, go above and beyond. Fill it to the brim. Fill it to the brim and watch what I can do. You see, but the beauty of God, here's the beauty of God. God meets us in the midst of our bare minimum. God meets us in the midst of our mess. God, God meets this couple. God was wanted to serve this couple. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. They deserve the dishonor of not having enough wine. But Jesus will meet us in the bare minimum. Let me show you guys this. Verse 8. Then he told them, Now draw out some water and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. You see, when the servants filled it up, Jesus took what was and changed it into something brand new. It's so interesting. Jesus never added anything into the water. He didn't add anything that was not there. He literally transformed it into a whole new entity. Listen to this, friends. God wants to do the exact same thing in our life. God wants to take the little and he wants to transform it into something completely new. The master of the wine tastes the water. He did not realize where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Look at this. The master who's tasting the water, who's reaping the benefits, he didn't know where it came from. He didn't know what God actually had done. Here's the beauty of Jesus. And here's the beauty. This is why, as a church, we are so passionate about getting you in the game. It says the servants knew the full extent of what Jesus did. The master just reaped the rewards. If you come to church your whole life and you just sit there, that's fine, we love you. You're going to experience God, you will. Because God lets us experience who he is. But what the Bible says is the servants, it says those who did it, they were able to experience it to the fullest because they knew the whole story. They knew the whole picture. I say all the time, man, I can't wait for the day our church. There's going to be a time and a place when it's like, man, we're too big for this spot. But I'm, I'm going to love all of us, all those OGs in my basement those guys I went to coffee with, those guys that heard the dream, because they're gonna see it to the fullest. They're gonna see the miracle to the fullest. You guys in this room today, you're gonna see the miracle to the fullest. Because you've been here the longest. Jesus said, this says the servants knew, but the master of the banquet didn't knew. Look at this part, we're about to be blessed, we're gonna close. It says, then he called the bridegroom aside, and he said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you save the best till now. Hold on. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to the bride, to the groom, to the guy that cheaped out, to the guy that said, honey, we're gonna cut here. That's who, the, and he's getting the praise. He said, man, this is the best wine I've ever tasted. And the groom's like, yeah, yeah from the vineyards of Israel. This is the first public miracle that Jesus ever does. It's recorded, and I think it's setting the framework for how he works and what he does in our life. And what I love about this, it says, verse 11, it says, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory 
and his disciples believed in him. Well, what was his glory? What's God's glory? How did he reveal his glory? Here's the beauty of God's glory. When God's glory is revealed, we are also revealed. The groom did nothing. If, if we get down to the, to the crux of it, the servants did nothing. It was all Jesus. It was all him. But we get the glory. It's crazy. I love when I preach sometimes and people compliment me and that sounds egotistic. The reason I love the compliment is because I know who I am. And I know my capacity. I know what I can do. And when people compliment me, what is happening is I am sharing in God's glory. I get to experience God's glory. We want you in the game because we want you to experience God's glory. We want you to experience life change. You get the glory. How does God work? We get the glory when he gets the glory. That's beautiful. When we serve St. Albert, people are going to say, man, we love those people at Kingdom Church. Maybe you're going to serve someone personally. Man, I love Megan. Man, I love Josh. In that moment, you're sharing in God's glory. And we are giving glory to God. Romans 8 puts it like this. It says, if we are children, we are the heirs of God, and we are co-heirs with Christ. We may suffer with him that we may be glorified with him. When we come for the journey with Jesus, we share in his glory. We're co-heirs to the throne. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. What that means, when Christ is in our life, you are a new creation. You are literally a walking Jesus. Because he seeps through my pores. He seeps through everything that I do. Friends, get this. And we're closing on this. If you guys could just stand. I want us to understand this beauty. The Bible says, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. What that means is that no matter how much you think you are lacking, it's like, I don't have anything. I don't have enough. But the Bible says Christ lives in me. And so if Christ lives in you, what that means is you have more than enough. The God that turned water into wine lives in you. The God that turned water into wine, that same power is alive in you and he wants to change your life. That little that you have, you give it to him, he'll give you glory. Everything can change. We are co-heirs with Christ. That's the beauty. You have more than you think. You have more than you think. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, if you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. You will find everything that you need and so much more. We can't wait to see you again. Take care.